Hello and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Seattle and Washington sports. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host, John Carey. And as you can hear, uh, my voice is a little hoarse from this last weekend of something. Being sick, I don't know what it is. I it's I blame John. I, I don't know what he brought into the house, but it's it's his fault. Try being stronger, brother. I don't know what to tell you. Um, today we've got... Uh, a nice smattering of a bunch of different Seattle sports teams. Uh, we've got the Kraken, we've got Sounders, we've got Storm, we've got a lot of college basketball to throw your way. Uh, but before we get started, as always, a little Coyote Picnic. Yeah, today's exciting. I think we might touch on the most different sport teams that we've ever touched on in a single podcast before. So uh, it's going to be a smattering, and let's get into it, uh, starting with our dear and confusing Seattle Kraken. John's ready to talk about this. He's locked and loaded. The Kraken uh, beat the Boston Bruins for the second time in February, 4-3 uh, to three on Monday night. Um, it was a good game, back and forth. The lead changed four times before Kyler Yamamoto winning with a uh, shootout goal in overtime. Um, these two teams are two of the three most overtime-playing teams, I suppose you'd say, combining for 25 overtime games between the two of them. That's wild. Um, a good game. I believe Bjorkstrand scored. Yeah, Bjorkstrand, Eberle, uh, and Yamamoto scored for the boys as well as Vince Dunn. Um, and this leads to a month of February in which the Kraken have gone 4-4 four and four, um, with their longest win streak of two games and their longest losing streak of two games. Um, they have been playing 500 hockey as much as the team possibly can. And yet somehow they manage to pull two straight wins against the Eastern Conference team that is tied for the most points in the Eastern Conference in the Boston Bruins. Yeah. I yeah. Just confusing. Just a just weird. I guess not that weird. They're playing mostly five hundred hockey. Yeah, they're technically still in the playoff race. And so for that I commend them for doing their darndest. Um, but with five, with 500 hockey comes a uh, 500 record, and that is not going to get you to the playoffs at this point of the season. Um, I really think what it comes down to is the Kraken just need to either take a step forward and make a big trade or take a step back and trade some guys away. Um, I was looking it up. I know Wenberg has a contract. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and I know, um, who is it? Eberly and Schultz. Uh, three, three good players. Three of our favorite players. Yeah, we, we love those guys. What a devastating list of people to potentially lose. Um, they've got a lot of value for teams that could like could get them because, you know, we like them. They're good. They're Like we said, they're good players, and they yeah. would provide a lot of value. They're good assets. All three um, of those guys fit nicely into our conversation last week. Of They're not superstars, but all three of those guys are winning players. Yes, exactly. The one thing that I would note is uh, there is some talk about re-signing Eberle as just... Um, Matty Beneers kind of, he's like the Beneers mentor right mm -hmm. now. Um, so 
So having him on the ice is very nice for the Kraken. He's but, also my favorite Kraken player. Wow. And I think a, a fan favorite. I really think... I agree with that one, yeah. Yeah, he's he's one of our more consistent guys. Of all those guys, I, I love all three of those guys, but I really would be, be the one I would be most disappointed to see go. Yeah, the other side of that is he would be the one to probably get the most if we were to trade him. So. <laughs> I hate how that works. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but yeah, 500 hockey is not going to do it. They either need to turn it on because they've got a week. The trade deadline is March 8th, so next Friday is when uh, these trades need to happen. So keep your eyes out for next week's pod. There's going to be a lot of discussion on the Kraken and what they traded, what they didn't do, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, for now, we're still at a standstill like we were last week. Yeah. Hold off a little longer. Just another, yeah, and you really hit the nail on the head. I really hope they're sellers, um, even if it means I really, I love these guys. But yeah, this team's just not playing up to the amount of talent they have on the roster. You're saying they're still in the wild card hunt. They are seven points behind the number two wild card spot um, with, what, 25 or so games left to go. Um, that's a big uphill climb, and I don't think they're going to get there. I hope they pull the trigger and move some of these awesome, awesome, talented players that just the fit's not working right now. We need I don't know what it is we need, but um, might as well get good value from some of these guys. Yeah, and I was saying they have a chance just because technically, yeah, they they have they, like a seventeen percent chance or whatever. It another is. ten ga- ten game win streak, they'll be yeah. right back in it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all we got to talk about for the Kraken. Uh, let's talk a little Sounders. MLS season just started. I know we talk a lot of smack about soccer in general, uh, but that's just because we haven't really talked about it and we weren't ready to talk about it last year. And we certainly are not soccer fanatics, but we are here to bring you the news. And so with that, the Sounders went are 0-1. They played uh, this this last weekend, and they lost to, I believe, LAFC. Um, in terms of Sounders news, Sounders outlook, uh, they're basically the same team they were last year with the addition of Pedro de la Vega, who is a, an Argent, a young Argentinian guy who we signed for a lot of money, who we hope can bring us the finishing that we were missing last year. Kind of sounds like another Seattle sports team that needs to needs to work on its finishing and uh, offensive you, play. You know, Lionel Messi is from that that Argentina <laughs> country. Yeah, we could talk talk to him when uh, we play Miami this week or this year. Um, yeah, the Sounders are should be decent. They're they're always at least decent. They should be very good. I just wanted to touch on for all our listeners who are like us, which is uneducated in the ways of uh, Major League Soccer. Uh, Seattle is coming off. Uh, the number two seed in the Western Conference from last year um, behind St. Louis. Uh, they allowed the fewest goals in the Western Conference um, last year. So this is a stingy defensive team. To your point, offense has not always been there. It'd be exciting to get some young blood and see if that helps. But yeah, this team is perpetually up there in the top three in the West. They're currently projected on MLS.com to win the Western Conference this year. Um so, Owen one start to LAFC, who, by the way, beat us in the Western semis last year. So, two straight losses to LAFC. Um, but look forward to a lot of low scoring, but uh, exciting victories. Yeah. And I think last year where we, we added some players that uh, were supposed to, Heber, I believe is his name. Heber was uh, the addition that was supposed to kind of take this the place of the uh, Argentinian guy. And... He just wasn't able to score. So we're hoping that that changes with this new roundup of forwards. Um, De La yeah. Vega. What a name. Yeah, what a guy. I might have to get his jersey just to just to have that. 
Uh, anything else on the Sounders before we before we move into a little storm discussion? No, no, yeah. Uh, good start to the year, or bad start, bad start to, the year, to the year. But uh, it'll be fun. You know what's crazy? De La Vega is born in 2001. His birthday is like February 7th, 2001. Fuck him. I hope he gets hit by a bus. <laughs> Young blood, baby. All right. So, so, so Storm. Um, we have some differing opinions on what the Storm have done in this offseason. Uh, they have they traded... Was it Mia? No, not Mia. Kia Nurse. Kia Nurse. Um and our first round pick for this year. So we are not getting Caitlin Clark. We had the number four pick, and we traded it to the LA Sparks for uh, their 2026 first round pick. What do you think, John? Um, so you're going to make the positive argument here in a bit, and you're going to bring in the players that they signed. So this was, it's, it's worth noting, surficially, this was a salary move. Uh, they were trying to get off Kia Nurse. And they had to sweeten the deal with the Sparks by pick swapping in what will likely be uh, a bad pick swap for the Storm. They had the number four pick. Who knows what the Sparks will have in 2026. Heck, maybe it'll be number one, but I doubt it. Um, so they gave up value in the draft to free up some money. And you're going to tell us some talented players they signed and say that makes the trade okay. But this is not a good trade. It's simply not the value equity of these assets, when you look at it, it's not close to equal. Kia Nurse, her salary, we don't have to get into it. It's not, she's not making tens of millions of dollars. This wasn't a huge salary dump. Um, with that being the case, number four pick is an asset, particularly, and you've told me, I, I, I'm not educated in these things, but that People kind of look at it as a top three draft and kind of stinks to be sitting at number four. But women's professional basketball is a top heavy sport, more than probably any other basketball league. And there has not been a champion that doesn't have two or three of the best 10 players in the league on that team. The only way to get those players is to draft them. And when you have a number four pick, you got to take a shot at one of these players to try and get the best. I, I don't like this trade. They, why couldn't they have traded her to another team and swapped second-round picks? Why couldn't that have happened? Why do you have to swap first? So here, here's my—I don't know if this is a scalding hot take. I don't really know what the WNBA conversation is like. Uh, but my take for this is there's 12 teams in the WNBA. The number four pick is like having the number 10 pick in the NBA draft. Nobody cares if you have the 10th or the 14th. Or the 18th. That's all the same thing. It's kind of just taking shots in the dark. That's interesting. Um, yeah, you, there's 12. Like, are there 12 great players in this draft? In any sort of draft, like you're going to get the same value at four that you would have gotten at eight. I feel like. And when you think about it that way, if they're just trying to salary dump, and you're assuming the Sparks are going to be anywhere not in the top, you know, they're not going to win the WNBA tournament or whatever WNBA championship. Um, mm -hmm. In 2026 or 2025, I guess. Um, they're not going to win. And so you have to assume that they're going to have a pick anywhere below eight is going to be just fine. Hmm. Um, yeah, the four and the, and the nine pick are going to be just as even. And so in my mind, you're giving up a number four pick where it's technically not anything crazy. We don't even know if Caitlin Clark's going to be in this draft. 
because she's making more money with her NIL deals in college. Hold off one more year, Kaylin. We'll be really bad next year, I promise. <laughs> uh, I don't think we will be, and we'll talk about that because of the people we signed. But in terms of freeing up space, I understand that it's not ideal to give up a number four pick in any in any context. Like that's a that's a good pick. Uh, but in the WNBA, there's just so many less picks. They have like four rounds of WNBA draft picks every year. It's like the the influx of talent is not that high. You're going to get good players, and it's going to be fine. To get one of those top players, you need to really tank. And the Storm just didn't do that this last year. They didn't do they didn't do that well enough. They lost their last nine games, uh, but the team in team in last place lost their last like eleven twenty <laughs> something like that. Uh, be Phoenix was booty. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it sounds like the number four pick is crazy value, but it's like the drop off there is huge and the change in value between the four and 10 picks are not going to be that, that big. All right. All right. Who we get? Um, so the, the storm have made two really big acquisitions. They have signed Skylar Diggins Smith, who, uh, is a really good player. She averaged 19.7 points last year, four rebounds and five and a half assists. Um, we signed her for two years for $422,000. So she's making $211,000 a year. And then we also signed Nyeka Ogumike. I think I nailed that. Um, that sounded good. I'm sure that was wrong, but it sounded good. <laughs> uh, and we signed her for 19.1, or not 19.1, that's her points per game. We signed her for a uh, little over 200000 a year. Um, for one year. So we, we're really banking on this next year as to be a decent team. And I think that's building off the Jewel Lloyd contract um, and just kind of the solid foundation we made this last year. And we're really going to bank on being good, like kind of doing what the Mariners dude did and just like cresting now, taking a step down in 2025 and then building back up with that 2026 pick. Um, Cause we'll have two picks in that draft or in the first round. So, all that being said, I really like these two players. Nyeka uh, Ogumike averaged 19.1 points a game last year with 8.8 rebounds and 2.7 assists. She's basically, she's a forward. Skylar Diggins-Smith is a nice guard piece to add to this team with Jewel Lloyd. I think the three of them will just be a nice combination of players that'll turn into a really offensively dominant team. Granted, we don't have the bid, the presence down low that a lot of the good teams in the WNBA have, but I feel like... Uh, the distribution of points is going to be very nice next year. Nice. Well, I, I do like those signings. Um, good value. Surprised they were out there to be taken. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see who the number four pick in the draft is, and we see what they make of their career. Yeah. I, I do just want to say we've got three players who combined are averaging like 63 points a game, which is really nice in the WNBA. That's really good value. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But adding more offensive power to a team that – was really lackluster last year will just just be better. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I, Storm have one of the best fan bases in women's basketball, and last year was just just wasn't very fun. You know, I went to a, a, a Storm game and it was it was a good time, but you know, it'll be nice to have them be a little more competitive. Yeah. All right, moving into a different basketball sphere sphere, the college basketball. Um, I'm going to talk women's college basketball for three minutes again, and then I want you to get your Zags take off. But first, UW women's team goes 2-0 in Oregon. They beat Oregon, who's not very good, and they beat number nine Oregon State um, in a crazy win. They go, uh, oh, let me pull it up. 
Um, they win 61-51, so they really hold it down defensively. And uh, it was just, yeah, just a solid game. El Ladin scores 23 points, and Delea Daniels, wow, what a name. Delea Daniels added 15, so two players scored 38 of the 61 points. That's pretty decent. Um, and just a really solid win against a really good team. It's not like they're going to, you know, make any strides towards the tournament, but that's a good good stretch. And uh, they play a Colorado team next that is plummeting. They've lost their last four. So that's going to be nice. Um, Washington State goes 1-1. One one. They lose to Oregon State. Um, but overall, that's fine. That's exactly where they've been. They're 6-10 in conference and not anywhere close to seeing the tournament. So that's what we expected from them. Just a nice win by UW. Yep. Um, good week for the ladies' Zags as well. They... Pulled off two straight wins against San Fran and Pepperdine, both in pretty dominant fashion. Man, the WCC was not competitive this year. Um, credit to this Gonzaga basketball team for not doing what the men's team did and, you know, letting one slip. Every single one of these WCC games was a smackdown. Um, Fun to watch. Fun to watch them dominate the way they did. Their last game of the regular season is tonight against the Portland Pilots. Um, it looks like they will finish the regular season as the number 16 team in the country. Uh, it'll be exciting to <laughs> see what uh, anybody can put up against them in the WCC tournament and expect a top four seed in the upcoming uh, women's college basketball tournament. So good for the ladies. Zags. want to give them a shout out. Probably the last time we'll talk about them before maybe end of the conference tournament. Um, before moving on to the men's basketball team, I also just had to shout out the Gonzaga baseball team. Ooh. Something we rarely ever talk about. They've had some up and down years. They're not very good this year. They haven't been very good recently. But this last week, they upset the number six team in the country, Vanderbilt, 9-8. And this baseball team was down 7-1 in the seventh <laughs> inning. Uh, before popping off an eight-run eighth inning, capped by a grand slam by Jordan Hamburg. Um, pretty sick. That's awesome. Pretty sick. Go Zags. That was nice. Good win. Um, oh, always hated Vanderbilt. Always hated Vandy. And this will definitely be the last time we talk about them this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say, Marco's a, Marco Gonzalez was a, Correct. was a Zag. So it's always always good to talk about those Zags. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there are many, there are many uh, professional players from, from their team. but No, no. I, they peaked, they were like number eight or something one of the years that I was there. And I, that, was, that was their peak for quite a while. All right. Moving on to... Uh, the Gonzaga men. They had a nice week with dominant wins over Portland and Santa Clara. Um, Santa Clara particularly was a good game. They put up a hell of a fight and hit a lot of threes, but Gonzaga was able to keep them off and uh, really just endure. Um, they have now won six straight games since the tight St. Mary's loss, including the win over Kentucky. Um, and they're just allowing the attrition of men's college basketball to buoy them in the standings. It has been wild. Every other day, a top four team is losing to some D3 JV squad. It's insane. ESPN and AP. I have no idea what they're doing, but neither does uh, the bracketology guy. So <laughs> Correct. We'll get to that. Um, because of that, last we talked, Gonzaga was number 27 in the nation. They've risen to 23 in the nation, which is very appropriate. It's where this team deserves to be with their schedule. Um, they played hard, a couple bad losses, one really nice win. Um, 
They have two more games in the regular season. St. Mary's this Saturday um, will be a big one. And gosh, I just, I really think we're going to kick their ass. I really do. Um, we easily could have won that first game and our offense did not play well. I think they take, they took it really personally. Um, I think they're going to kick St. Mary's ass. We'll see. But I did want to mention 23 in the nation. Well-deserved. This is the AP poll. This is the definitive rankings of teams in the country. Um, and our guy, Joe Lenardi, this guy is such a fool. I don't understand him at all. This ESPN hack. Nobody asked his opinion, but he keeps telling us. And for some reason, he still has Gonzaga on the bubble as the last team in. Absolutely ridiculous. He has them as an 11 seed right now. This It just it doesn't make any sense. This made a lot of sense a couple weeks ago when we were ranked like 38 in the country. Understood. I get it. They're 23 right now. 11 is not nearly where this team is going to be. Um, just as a note, for those that don't know exactly how it works, obviously every conference champion gets an auto bid. There are 32 D1 college basketball conferences. Isn't that crazy? It's that's a, a lot. That's a lot of conferences. So that leaves 32 teams left. Now, you'd say, okay, they're ranked 23, only 32 spots left. I get how, you know, it could be tight. It's also worth noting that there are seven or eight teams in the top 25 that are also likely going to win their conference tournaments, meaning now there's like 40 spots. And he has them as an 11 seed. That just, that blows my mind. You made a good point about, that's really all I have to say. Screw you, Joe Lenardi. <laughs> Quit underestimating our boys. We deserve a seven seed right now. Get us there. You made a really good point about Wazoo. Why don't you why don't you share with the viewers? I don't want to steal your quote. It, so Wazoo is predicted to be a five seed by Joel Lenardi, which is basically spot on with where they are. Um, and if you think about it, if they had beat Arizona State, which we'll, we'll talk about, they'd be up to the probably like a number twelve team in the nation. Like if they if yeah. they had won that game, it could be a three or four. They'd be yeah, they could be a three or four. Um, it just bounces around so much. The other side of that is the AP poll, is, while it is the definitive one, like the people who are voting for this don't really pay attention to the entirety of college basketball because that would be impossible. It's understandable. Some of these guys are not paying full attention to what's going on and they're just looking at records. And so by record, yeah, Gonzaga looks awesome. They just have, they have one good win. Like they really haven't proven themselves and until they do, it'd be tough for anybody who's trying to make that decision. And especially the, the people who are deciding what these teams are in terms of the top 64 teams for March Madness. It's like, yeah, Gonzaga, they take into account like the net rankings and whatever and the teams that you've beat. And Gonzaga just has a lot of good losses and they just don't have a lot of great wins. That's totally fair. I'm just telling you right now with college basketball being the way it is, Gonzaga currently sits behind South Carolina, San Diego State, Dayton, Utah State. None of those teams have quality wins. None of them do. They're, believe it or not, it's not unusual for a team to not beat a top 25 team in the country in a given year, you know? Um, and you're right about the Zags. I do get it. But the fact that they are currently ranked four spots behind Washington State, but are projected six seeds lower is silliness. It's silliness. But you're right. Uh, this St. Mary's game will be very big as either another Good loss that uh, will be, you know, hurtful to their chances of getting out of the 11 spot or a chance to show that, no, this is a team that, you know, has a couple wins 
potential underneath them. But I think what it comes down to is they're just they're not a lock in the tournament as as of right now. Like as much as we yeah. like to think that Gonzaga should make the tournament because they're a good team. Like every player on that team is good and would play for a D one school. Would could could be playing for Kentucky right now. Like they're all really good players. They just haven't put it together. And uh, yeah, if I, they if they were to lose to St. Mary's and then not win this tournament, I I really think there's a chance they just bounce out. Like they just haven't they hadn't proven anything. I think you're right. I think if they lost in both those situations, especially if they lost to a bad WCC team in the tournament, if they lost to St. Mary's twice, I still think they. I think then they'd probably be like an 11 seed and be one of the first four. I would agree with Lenardi then, but uh, we will see. Um, moving on to the more interesting discussion of the week. It happened. It happened, yeah, it happened, we it were, happened. We were watching that. It was it was so sick. That game was awesome. Washington State beat Arizona. Do you have the box score on you? Uh, I don't. I can pull it up. Uh, yeah, I have the Arizona State box score, of course. <laughs> uh, they beat Arizona 77-74 um, last Thursday. It was a great game. Arizona kept coming back. And then... God, yeah, Jalen Wells. Jalen Wells was going off. He had yeah. 27 points. Yeah, shooting the lights out. Forgot about that. Yeah, Jalen Wells was awesome, stroking it from three, keeping the pressure on, keeping a little bit of a gap between them and Arizona, and they ended up pulling it out in the end. Two wins against a what was a top-four team in the country. Um, awesome, awesome stuff for Washington State. And we said, we said, hey, if they beat Arizona a second time, Arizona has to drop... You know, out of the top five, Arizona dropped to six. And we said if they won twice against Arizona, look to see Wazoo up around the top ten because you can't have too much of a gap between those two teams. But then we did not. Of course, we could not have foreseen this. <laughs> we did not foresee a 61-73 loss to the Arizona State Sun Devils, who are 14-14. So they're not awful. Very average, but... Uh, a devastating loss two days after that huge win against Arizona. Um, and they, yeah, they had just taken the lead in the Pac-12 to be the number one seed, correct. and then they immediately give it up. Just mm-hmm. um, tough. Jalen Wells had eight points as a pull was to the 27th that he scored previously. Um, Miles Rice actually had a decent game with 13, but the big story was that their their defense was not locked down and their offense just couldn't really find any rhythm. They were down early. They were down what is that, seven and a half, and it just never got better for him. Um, yeah, what are, Yeah. What are your thoughts? Kind of a weird <laughs> kind of yeah. a weird week for Wazoo, but they did rise to 19. Yes. Um, great for them, for being that Arizona team. One thing to note is we've talked a lot about Miles Rice. He kind of shied away from the spotlight. He had five. He was two. Well, I guess shied away from the spotlight is different than he just wasn't hitting. Uh, he was two for 12. Uh, in the Arizona game, had five points. He just he just couldn't get it going. He couldn't make any shots, and so that was why Jalen Wells had twenty seven. He was the only guy that was making anything. Next up was Isaac Jones, who really turned it on in the second half, finished with sixteen. Um, and those two those two guys and uh, Chinyelu, their center, who was just you know collecting rebounds and putting them back up, had twelve. Yeah. Those three guys were the only ones with more than eight points. Yeah, Jalen. Yeah, not only was he hitting his shots, he was taking. Big time shots. Yeah. Do you he remember was, the the four point play? Yeah. Dude, that was the, it was right after Arizona got an and one, and it was just an awesome like come yeah. down and he hits a three and the guy like lands on him and the guy looks at the ref. He's like, I didn't foul him. Yeah, Ugh. so tough. Yeah, that was a big play too. I think 
that and one of Arizona might have tied it or brought him within one or something, and then to get the four-point play in the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was just taking big shots, no fear. Um, we were watching it thinking, wow, do we need to watch way more Wazoo games, or is this guy having just the game of his absolute life? And then after Arizona State, I think I'm comfortable saying that he was just having the game of his life. Isaac Jones was good against Arizona State, too. He is really, really solid. I think he's just, yeah, he's really good. He's a freshman. No, no, I think he's a junior or senior. Oh, okay. He's he's a, he just came out of Juco, though. He plays like a junior or senior. I I was going to be surprised if he was a freshman, but, um, yeah, yeah. Wells did not bring it in the second game. Miles Rice has been a little skittish, which, you know, he's 19. He's a a freshman, yeah. (laughs) He's a a freshman who just came off of leukemia. Battle. Uh, Guys it's, got, it's fair to have a bad game or two. He's got more than 700 days until he's allowed <laughs> to have a beer. Um, yeah. I, I think it was a little bit sobering maybe in terms of the ceiling of this Arizona Arizona Wazoo team. But uh, still nice to know that they can beat anybody on a given night. I think that's, that's the major key is they can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody, which is why they could get hot in the tournament and – make it to that Sweet 16 Elite Eight, but I could also see them losing in the round of 32 to whatever team is the seventh seed, you know? Agreed. Um, yeah, I think they, yeah, they've got a lot of potential, but their floor is very, very low as well. Yeah, um, quite a gap. We also, during the Wazoo-Arizona game, we were talking about just Caleb Love and the shots that he was taking. <laughs> we were just... That, this guy, he's, uh, you know, he's scoring a lot, but he was 8 for 20 and had 27 points. He was he's, he's like Kobe out there. He's just hucking threes left and right. His shot, like I, I don't want to get too far into it, but like that man was all over the place. And really let Wazoo get back into it because Arizona had taken the lead at one point, and yes. he was just a fireballer. Caleb Love is the reincarnation of a medieval trebuchet. There's just, <laughs> there's just no way that he he's, he was not a catapult at some point. Um, yeah, it was wild. He had a really solid game overall. He started off smoking hot, pulling up for threes, getting into the lane being physical, finishing at the rim. And then as the game went on, he just kept taking those, like, Steph Curry threes where it's like, no, like, You're, no, you're no. up seven. Like, yeah. don't. <laughs> There's 25 seconds on the shot clock. You're coming around a screen with a guy in your face and you're hoisting. Stop <laughs> hoisting. I, like, you shouldn't – your shooting motion should not be described as hoisting. <laughs> when you're doing that, you need to calm down. And he was, yeah, he was really letting him fly. I, he, I don't want to be too harsh on him. He's a – He's a good player. He's a good scorer. Like yeah. he, that's what he can do. He's a good scorer, and he had a solid game. Not very efficient, but <laughs> we were talking about the fact that he was uh, he was the guy on UNC that was like one of the top high school players in the country and could never get on the court for Roy Williams. And people were like, what is the deal with this situation? Well, how can he not play? And I get it. <laughs> <laughs> if I was Roy, <laughs> I would have pulled my hair out watching him play. So. Uh, yeah, we love you, Caleb. Yeah. Um, Transfer to Gonzaga. I, yeah, I'm sure they would love to have We need a guard that's yeah, willing to hoist. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have much to say about the Arizona State game. That one, just unfortunate. And I think I think they'll turn it around. I think this team is confident. Yeah. Um, and they're in a good spot. They just weren't hitting their shots. I think it just comes down to that. Also, you know, yeah, a little bit post-high, literally two days after the yeah. Arizona game. Yeah, that's, that's bound to happen at they, some point. Yeah, let one slip. Um, in terms of UW, UW went one and one against them against the Arizona schools, losing to Arizona uh, and beating Arizona State. Um, 
God. We were talking about this. They were up by 20 at halftime against Arizona State, and this game went to overtime. <laughs> this team, UW has no idea how to close out a game. Yeah. They can they can keep it close. They got it down to nine against Arizona at one point, and it ended up they lost by 16. But it was, it was close there with like eight minutes to go, and they just don't know how to get stops um, when it matters. Like... I can't believe you assholes beat the Zags. I just don't get it. Yeah, how does it feel, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, they can score. They can do. They can do some things great. But god damn, does my Hopkins team like? He, I feel like that's honestly all coaching too. Because like, if your team's up twenty, you just keep your foot on the gas. You can't let them back in the game. And if you're down nine with eight minutes to go, I was watching that game. They had done a good job of keeping it very sloppy when they played Arizona where it was like turnover after turnover. They were just trying to get away on fast breaks. But also, the fact of the matter is, Arizona's the best transition team in the country. They have, they, they're just like the fastest playing team. Their pace of play is so crazy high. It's hard, it's hard to keep up with them, and you can see that. And they lost by 16 at the end of the game, scoring 75 points. Like They allowed 91. Wow. Um, yeah, I just don't think they, that Hopkins is a coach that we would like to have on this in this program. Um, and I've said that before. And I will keep saying it until he gets moved at the end of this season. Yeah. Um, the good news is some problems solve themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were a little warmer on Hopkins. I think I was a little cooler on him from the get-go. Who, I just, who would I, you like? Do you have your eyes on anybody where you're like, gosh, I'd love to bring that guy in? No, I have no idea. Because I don't, I don't follow the coaching scene in college basketball enough. Yeah. Um, I also feel like the move to the Big Ten will be a prime opportunity to restart. Um It'll be interesting to see who we can acquire because I have really no idea what the coaching scene is like. And uh, I just, in terms of personality, I want a coach who, I want a coach who like gets on the players' asses a little bit. Like Hopkins is more of like, I feel like he lets the assistant coaches do that. Mm. Um, And he also lets the assistant coaches like do all the hyping and everything. Like Hopkins is just like there to yell at the refs, which I feel like is what half the coaches in in any sort of basketball (laughs) team are there for. But yeah, it's tough to watch, um, and I'm kind of rambling just because I have no idea. But No, I'm, I'm with you, man. He, his system is non-existent. The way he builds out his rosters don't necessarily make the most sense. He's got talented players, but the team just doesn't really fit around each other. Um, yeah, I've been overhop for a while. Won't miss him. Yeah. I miss Romar. What, is that, what does that tell you? When you yeah. miss Lorenzo Romar. I hated Romar. He did, well, and granted, he was like a let the guys play, but he also always had one player who was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guy could recruit. That's what he's, exactly what he's doing at Pepperdine, by the way. Yeah. He's the let the guys play. He stays at the pool half the games. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I do kind of miss Romar. Uh, it'd be so nice to have like a top five player in the country again. Yeah. Yeah, good Isaiah Thomas or uh, was Romar Mark- there? Mark Isaiah Fultz was was Mark there. Fultz. Um, we had Dejounte Murray, Jaden McDaniel's, Jaden McDaniel's, all these guys. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Stewart, love Isaiah Stewart. Oh, Isaiah Stewart, I forgot he was a dog. Yeah, we had to talk at some point. We got to talk like UW players in the NBA and like how they're doing because yeah. they're honestly they've been doing pretty well. Jaden McDaniel's is like a good player. Absolutely, Isaiah Stewart. Detroit loves him, dude. That team has got so many centers on the roster, and he he plays a lot. So it'd be interesting to talk like of the you know if you assembled a team of UW players, how how would that team do? Because like Dejounte Murray is a decent point guard. Oh, I forgot Dejounte. Fuck. Markel Fultz. Isaiah Stewart. They'd be a mean defensively. Yeah, I tell you what, I think they'd be pretty decent. That that defensive roster. Mark Markel at the two. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know, man. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> that'll be that'll be a good like in between sports pod. We can do the yeah the Zags versus UW and the pros. That's a good one. And and guess how many tens of points the Zags team would win by. <laughs> All right, uh, what are we at right now, John? A solid thirty six minutes. I told you, man. I told you this one was going to be You're shorter. Right. You're right. We can always talk about more. I could talk about the Mariners in spring training if you really want to. Give me, give me one take from spring training. Exactly one. We talked about it a little bit before the pod. Uh, the young bucks, the guys who are in the the you know double A, single A, like a Harry Ford, um, Hogan Windish. Um, You're all- making those names up. There's nobody named Hogan Windish. <laughs> uh, Cole Young. All these, all these young guys. Um, who are getting time with the team just to, because we know that they'll be good enough. We know that these guys are going to make the team eventually, or at least have that kind of talent, like a Locklear. Um, those guys have been showing out pretty well. It'll be interesting to see Locklear's like, if Ty France has a bad couple months and we see him going, you know, continue going down the tank, Locklear's like ready to go at first base. Let's go. Um, Trade so, Ty France. Bring in Locklear. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. How that shapes up. We might, if Ty France does well, we might trade Locklear. I think this is kind of like, could be a showcase for him, but could also be just like getting him prepped. Um, Harry Ford, I know they've been working him around the infield because we're so solid up the middle right now. It's, and there's an opportunity for him to kind of climb the ranks pretty quickly here. Um, and I know they've been kind of trying him at second, trying him at short. And I think he'll, if he could, moving him to third base would be really awesome. Um, but he also slots in as the next catcher. For the like next franchise catcher behind Cal Raleigh, um, so the guy could play anywhere. It's just a matter of what he wants to turn into and what the team wants to do with him. Um, I could also see him being a trade chip because he's just got that versatility and he's a good player. If we want to go all in for this year, that could be an interesting piece to move um, towards the deadline. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, who's sitting at the top of the top of the farm for yeah either promotion or or dangling. Yeah, there you go. That's that's my. Three-minute clip. Fantastic. All right. Anything else before I sign us off? No, man. Go Storm. Go go Kraken. Go no. Sounders. We were so ambivalent towards each other this pod. We were actually talking before, and we were kind of giving each other some 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 jabs. I feel like we didn't do that as much as we thought we would. Um, Once we're looking into each other's eyes, you know, it's all love. True. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Uh, you can find me. No, not me. You can find the pod at uh, Sound Up Seattle, uh, all lowercase, all one word. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, you can find me, Tyler, at TyCard50, everywhere that's important. And you can find John grinding on Skyrim. He's moved Let's on to a go. new game. It's always new every week. Dovahkiin. <laughs> Uh, With all that being said, let's go kooks, go zags. Go zags.